Welcome to Red Beans and Advice, a production of Sheck Snyder Wealth Advisors. I'm Katie Hain, an account executive. I'm Jesse Duhon, a financial advisor. I'm Nolan Sheck Snyder, senior advisor and founder. Okay, welcome back to Red Beans and Advice. Welcome to the new year, 2023. Could call this episode Field Peas and Advice. Yeah, you feel peas, you black-eyed peas? Yeah, we had black-eyed peas and cabbage mm-hmm. on New Year's Day. I had I, it too. Oh, I did not. I had it too. I tell you, even I bit off more than I could. I'm a sucker for a deal. I walked into my friend owns a, one of those spiral-cut ham shops. Nice. The, the honey. honey-baked ham. Yeah. And they got this cool thing. You walk in and there's a, there's like frozen bits of ham left over. It's like $2, but it's great to cook with. You just throw mm. it in and you cook stuff. Nice. So I asked the lady, I was like, you guys got any of that cut up ham? Oh, no, we're out. We're out. But we got these ham bones, and the ham bones are buy one, get one free. Okay. So, so I was like, okay. I was like, you think that's going to taste good? She, she says, boy, you know that's going to taste good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I bought two ham bones, and instead of doing a little pot of each, I did, I mean, you got a whole ham bone. I couldn't just have a pile of ham with a little bit of vegetables on top. So if... You can email me if you need field peas and or cabbage with ham because I've got plenty of it in the fridge and freezer right now. Is that what black eyed peas are called? Field peas? Am I making that up? I've never heard no, of No, you're not making it up. Some people call it field peas. That could be like a local a local flavor thing. I've never heard of it. I never thought I you're teaching me now that, that this is coming out of my mouth and it might be weird. Well, as I said, some people call it that. Some is that like <laughs> I'm that, some people. I'm some people. Is that like a river parish <laughs> thing? I think it is, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. It's a lot of it. That's a good thing. It's local flavor for your uh, podcast. But yes, it is the new year. Uh, many of you focused on your resolutions, looking ahead. We like to look ahead all the time, but in many things, you don't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. And this is a year that uh, would be foolhardy to not look back at this year and try to make some sense of it. You know, why it was the way it was, where's the current stand and what do you think is going to happen type of deal. So it's it's sort of a review podcast just to just to make sense of 2022. What's a word that could sum up 2022? What do you think? If you think of a word for 2022, Nolan, the word would be uh, forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> that's advice. That, that's, it can't be forgettable. Yeah. Your grandson was yeah. born. That, no, right. That's well, a good point. Maybe yeah. unforgettable. Unforgettable. Unbelievable. As unbelievable. You like to say. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start over. <laughs> no one's got this thing. He unbelievable. Says, he says unbelievable, which is, which works in just about every situation. Good, bad, fantastic, whatever. It, it was unbelievable. It, it, it's believable because it happened. But it like, man, we had a series of a few years now where if someone would have wrote the book and told you, hey, here's how this year's going to go, you'd have had a hard time fathoming yeah. it. On the My word's end. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I like that. <laughs> we'll better. allow the revision <laughs> on this podcast. That's okay. Unbelievable. Yeah. I would go with, it. I got to read out challenging. I think it was a challenging year finance wise. What do you think, Katie? Where would you use? I've been calling it like the perfect storm. Perfect storm. There's two words. Well, <laughs> and <laughs> you you use two words. I mean, <laughs> two different sentences. Unbelievable is one word. We allowed you a re-edit. <laughs> right. So perfect storm, challenging, unbelievable, and forgettable. We got more than we when we bargained for right there. But um, certainly, you can probably you you might agree with all of those because because I I kind of do too. It was something else we had. In the investment world, Katie used perfect storm, which technically is two words. 
but that it, it sort of was right because if you look back on it, and it's hard to out of the scope of oh how this year go or the timeline of how things world events don't really know that January first is a whole different story than December thirty first was right like things just sort of yeah. continue one from the other and and the whole pandemic COVID that started in twenty twenty the wake of that still has had effects and mm-hmm. we, we're still in the the wake of that. And in, in many ways, we certainly were in 2022. We had, you know, if you think back to 2020, things that you remember, world's really shocked. Everything's closing down more than people could believe. That has a profound effect on the stock market, if you remember, right? A huge dip all at once. A lot of government money gets poured on it, not just here, sort of globally to keep things afloat. And the stock market recovers greatly, right? Yeah. Because there was, you know, where we where people were sort of getting paid to maybe stay home. Businesses that couldn't open were uh, getting reimbursed by the government to just sort of keep them afloat. And in the meantime, there still was commerce. There was still internet commerce for sure. And we saw big, big gains in 2020 in that sector. Okay. 2021 sort of continues the story. And we get to 2022 new elements sort of come to play, right? And some of it's a result of some of those actions, it seems, are certainly affected by it. Yeah. The big I word that dominated so much of this year was what? Inflation. Oh. Right? Oh, that's... You said, (laughs) well, I remember I-bond, so I was like, yeah, they were paying great percents. True, right, and those come up, but... But inflation was was yeah. a hot topic, yeah. uh, very hot topic. I think it made one of the words of the year. Oh, I'm um, sure. For, for you know, for for this year, was it trending? I, it certainly was trending. Um, everybody was interested in it. Whereas before, you talked about inflation, and it was sort of a footnote in a financial plan. Like, hey, this mm-hmm. is why we're sort of projecting you to maybe spend more year over year throughout your years. To keep pace with inflation, it was just sort of an explanation for what well, that sure makes some sense now because every the, the inflation was so immediate, right? That it got felt at the grocery store, the gas pump everywhere. So you know that all happened. All of those tech companies that were doing so well in 2020, money gets tight for people. What happened? Stop spending. When well, they, they stopped speculating on companies that were that had just been pumped up with a kind of temporary economic situation and value as such. And then once that sort of changes, people get back to work, you look and like, okay, well, are they, are they earning as much? Are they going to continue to grow as much? And when the going got tough, it, it sure did not seem like the investors were there to stick around for that ride mm-hmm. and a war, right? Russia goes to war with Ukraine. Scary to have a nuclear power invade another country. We're obviously at odds with Russia and that end. Everybody's worried how it's going to turn out. It's still going. So there's a lot of uncertainty in the year. And people felt it as they looked at their investment returns, right? So, but if I had to ask you, you know, given all of that, those are all challenges that could have happened in any year. But what was what was most unique about, I guess, what you had to talk to clients about this year that, that, Boy, I hadn't really seen this as much before. This is a this is a bit of an oddball. Anything stuck out to you in 2022? I'd say the biggest thing was inflation mm-hmm. and the impact of inflation. People had kind of pretty much forgot about inflation so. since uh, Jimmy Carter was president. Mm-hmm. We had to kind of reintroduce the impact of inflation on 
you know, everyday spending and returns and how it affects the stock market and bond markets and things like that. Mm -hmm. In prior years over my career, we had mild temporary inflation spikes, but nothing as dramatic, long lasting and dominating of the whole economy and, and the, you know, with technology and the ability to broadcast everything 24 seven. The, the word has been used a lot in 2022. So people, I think, are now more interested in it, but I don't know that everybody fully comprehends the impact it has on everything. Mm-hmm. Katie brought the magic word up. Talk about things that, that had been around that, boy, nobody knew about, I-bonds, right? Yeah. And we wrote newsletters about them, tried to inform people. It's a thing that your broker can't they, – they, I can't sit with a client and – like sell it. I can't yeah, I can't it sell it, you. right. It's not a brokerage product. It's a direct treasury product. So on your own, you can go open an account with a treasury and there's limits to it and all of this. But essentially an I-bond replaced the old Monopoly money looking series EE savings <laughs> bonds, right? Yeah. So those went away and they replaced them with these I-bonds years ago. And the idea was, look, we're going to pay the treasury rate plus something tied to inflation. Well, when inflation was almost nothing. And the treasury rate was absolutely nothing. They existed, but who was buying them, right? No, nothing and nothing is <laughs> yeah. nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You got to have something if you want to sell me a bond. <laughs> I thought he was going to break into song. I, that was a spoken word. He should have. <laughs> so, but, but then all of a sudden you look and, uh, okay, inflation's really high. The way to calculate this bond, da, 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 da. Oh, wait, this thing's yielding over 9%, absolutely risk-free. And that was, you don't want to say a canary in a coal mine, but that was the first instance of a good thing that people could could see the effect of inflation as the rest yeah. of the inflation world started to show up in the grocery store, right? Where milk doubled in price and eggs yeah. almost tripled in price and gas was higher for, oh, gas was volatile, but it was a, a profitable year for those for companies. Gas, but, yeah. but right. So, I mean, so inflation was a, was a big part of it. And to combat that the federal reserve, what do they do? They see, well, there's a lot of sentiment that they waited probably too long to react to this. Um, that's how I feel. That's how a lot of people feel. It's fair to feel that way. The chairman used language back in mid to late 2021 when the first sort of scary numbers about inflation came out. And he used the term, if you remember, transitory. He said, oh, this is transitory inflation. And transitory, what he meant by that was this is due to nobody doing anything all year in 2020. Here we are in 2021 looking at it, and this is just a result of yeah, we're like picking back up. Yeah, kind of two years combined into one, and this is actually kind of normal. They didn't do anything. And then all of these other things that we talked about started happening in 2022. And we're like, aha, that that actually is a lot of inflation. Let's get started on, on raising the rates, <laughs> right? And, um, and so it has been quite the battle. They've raised interest rates seven times in 2022. And what's considered a major hike, because a lot of times they're going to act in, in 25 basis point increments. So if that's a hike that you, you make a big hubbub and get together and decide, okay, well, when you raise it 75 basis points, you consider that major because that's that's the equivalent of maybe doing an action three times. They did that four times, four 75 basis point hikes in a row. And what's the major thing that affected that for me, 
uh, as an advisor since uh, been been in this business since 2008. So seen my fair share of different types of ups and downs. This is the first one where I saw a bond market react quite like this. And probably, honestly, I mean, Nolan's been doing this for at least double or triple the length of the time that I have been doing it. I read the books. It doesn't seem like there was a bond market like this before any time, right? No matter how long you've been in it. Yeah, this is the worst bond market in beyond my personal career. In fact, it is the worst bond market in the last 97 years when adjusted for inflation. That's right. And I had a feeling you ain't been doing this for 97 years. Right. Only less than half of 97. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Less than half. Right. Do your math at home. But so historic. And, And that matters because you speak to any advisor, you set up any plan. What are they going to ask you? They're going to ask you some risk questions, right? They're trying to identify beyond who you are and what your needs are. They're like, how is this person going to react if the going gets tough? And on the client end, that sounds great. I can tell you on our end, it's not the end all be all, but the more conservative a person is, generally speaking, the prescription has been, we're going to use more fixed income right there, Mm -hmm. right? For a lot of reasons. Historically, bond markets have a somewhat inverse relationship to stocks. Mm-hmm. As you could kind of imagine, you know, I got these stocks, they can go up, they can go down. If things are going down, oh, wait, here's these bonds. I've got a more predictable return. I've got a sort of safer principle. Almost, you know, you could at least gauge what level of risk you have based on the ratings. And so that has been a nice balance throughout history. And then, and then you come to this year. And bond markets were down. Would would you have that number at Nolan? You said they were down. Was it like seventeen percent? Bond markets adjusted for inflation was over twenty percent. Yeah, and boy, that's the, the thing. You know, the actual bond losses were in the vicinity of fifteen to seventeen percent. But when you adjusted for inflation, it exceeded twenty percent. Yeah, brutal. Same thing on stocks. Although we've had in the year twenty twenty. Stock market was down about a third in the first quarter of the year. Uh-huh. But, you know, it came back real quickly. When you adjust for inflation, you know, there was about a 19% loss in the stock market, the U.S. stock market. Adjusted for inflation, it was about 25%, which is in the bottom decile, which means the worst 10% of returns in the last 97 years. Hmm. So... There was no place to hide, but the both normal markets would be where people would go between were both extremely negatively affected. You know, from a opportunity perspective, most of what we try to do is not time the market. We try to do things that are appropriate. You know, if you're investing with us, you generally have a time horizon of five years or longer. So when we rebalance, we consider what's going on currently in the short-term outlook, but we're trying to make decisions that are right for the long-term. Mm-hmm. Whereas individuals who manage the money themselves, when the market is going in any direction, they presume it's going to continue in that direction forever, and they frequently make decisions based on emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, I have talked to clients who manage their own money in their 401ks and in years when the market is booming, some of them look at last year and say, well, if this market segment went up the most, I'm going to put more money in it, which means they're taking even more risk than they realize. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this particular year, you know, it was extremely abnormal. 
But, you know, in the big scheme of things, it's going to be a blink in history when you look at it five years from now. Exactly. I am old enough to have experienced. Half of 95. No, less than half of 95. <laughs> Not 97. A, not, not a lot less than 97, but anyway, half of 97. The events of Black Monday of October of 1987, mm-hmm. when the stock market lost, I think it was around 20% in one day, mm-hmm. which was pretty That's pretty dramatic. Good. But if you did nothing by the end of the calendar year, you're back. you were back. Okay, but, you know, so on the day after that, People were freaking out, but if you had a long-term historical chart and looked at October of 1987 on one of those long-term charts, you can't even detect the impact of the drop. True. It Hmm. only affected you that much if you sold. You know, we pride ourselves on when it's your job to manage the assets. We, We try to look beyond it. There's a reason we don't just invest things with the easy fill in the box. Hey, this person's a seven out of 10, just do what everybody else is maybe doing or the cheapest, easiest thing. The cheapest thing, you know, is the best. I think we always try to remind ourselves that anytime you're trying to pick something out, right? ETFs all the way. Well, right. ETFs good at saving money. Each one isn't made the same and and they have defined perspectives of what they're trying to do. and, And it requires kind of knowing you know, what you're doing with those. All that's to say that we were trying to we always had an eye to correlations and we've always used what you hear the word alternatives. And though the word alternatives might not make sense to you as, as a listener or investor. Or it might sound scary. Yeah. It might sound like very foreign and not, and and it is, look, it's a broad, broad category. But if you think about it, there's stocks, there's bonds, kind of everything else is flirting with being an alternative if it isn't classified as an alternative, including like commodities, like like things in the ground, like gold, silver, oil, different trading strategies, private equity funds, and any anything that, that's different than than your classic stock or bond sort of gets grouped into that. For a long time, the, the drum's been beating like you should have some in alternatives, you should have some in alternatives. And when the stock market's going up and there is no inflation, we always had some in there. It, it wasn't a huge moneymaker, but the two things that did pretty well through this year were generally alternative strategies and stocks that specifically were focused on oil and gas. That's the two things. Those were the correct answer. If you had to punch two boxes, they were good. And the problem was absolutely everything had a terrible year. <laughs> the <laughs> so, perfect storm. Right. Yeah. Right. So it, it was challenging on many fronts. But part of like the deeper knowledge of an asset manager and, and trying to to pay attention to the stuff was in the book. These weren't foreign ideas to pay attention to correlations. We've always paid attention to them here. That seems to be a way of the future as this year sort of as everyone sort of digests this year into into their behaviors and what they're gonna do going forward. It's easy to say, well, investments did poorly. Stocks generally did poorly, but there's three major indexes or indices, I think is the correct way to say it. And one of them noticeably did not fall nearly as much as the others, where for a long time, depending on, oh, I'll look at S&P 500, I'll look at this, and they seem interchangeable on a given day. This year, they weren't really interchangeable, right? They were very different. So the major three that, that you hear on the news and that come up, uh, you, you heard probably all these before. You got the S&P 500, you got NASDAQ, and you got the Dow Jones, right? And they were extremely varied in what happened this year. 
And there's a story to tell there. The S&P 500, which is more broad-based, capital-weighted index, it fell right around 19.5% this past year. And then the NASDAQ declined, which the NASDAQ is going to be more tech-focused. That declined just about 33% this past year. NASDAQ is mostly small companies. Small, yeah. It's small, yeah, right. And small, even worse, right? For this past year, at least small growth, because you think small growth companies that need capital to build on the optimism and fruition of their ideas. Well, that's going to be the first one. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of gain in that. Yeah. Over a long period of time. But when times are tough, it's tougher for them. But the Dow, Dow Jones fell not quite 9%. So the losses were very much trimmed in the Dow. What's your thoughts on that, Nolan? Why would the Dow maybe have had an easier ride this year than some of those other categories? Well, number one, it's larger, more stable companies. Number two, I think they changed some of the components and weightings in mm-hmm. the, during the year. So my personal opinion is comparing the Dow to the Dow for the last 12 months is somewhat a useless exercise because you're comparing apples to applesauce. Because they changed the Because they changed. One's been through a process. <laughs> right. They're, you know, in other words, they've changed the components. So I don't, I don't. You know, but generally speaking, I think because it's larger, more stable companies, they generally, even if they're tech focused, they're generally going to be more stable in varied times. Yeah. In in times of stress. That's right. And in the nature of S&P always, and this is, you know, you kind of got to read into it a little bit, but S&P 500 being capital weighted. Well, what that means is the bigger companies make up, if you, if you make up, 5% 5% of the capital weighting of the of the next 499 companies. Yeah, I think like I think four companies make up 10% of the weighting of the S&P 500. Correct. So the other 496 <laughs> represent 90%. That's right. That's right. And those bottom 100 barely make a fingernail scratch onto the makeup of it. So, you know, the big boys make the noise there and and for the longest time it's been what well, we you hear this word fang Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. Yeah, it's Google somewhere in there. Alphabet. What? Well, it, it, it might be Fan now if they turned to Alphabet. But right, but those big companies have been the the high risers, and they've been getting bigger and bigger throughout the years. Twenty twenty expanded that even further, and then you get to a year like this. Okay, if you're just investing in the S and P five hundred, and we've been saying this for a while that the S and P five hundred it was never really truly built to be a perfect investment vehicle. It's a fine barometer for what's going on, sure. But, uh, you know, what happens? Well, tech started making up a really big portion of your bet, right? Yeah. And and in a year like this where tech specifically had a hard time, you might have specifically had a harder time as opposed to the Dow, which is just a different version of taking a cross-section of what's going on in the economy. So the Dow is like your blue chip, big kind of nice it's supposed stable to, company. The, the, but it's a small percentage of the total stocks that exist. That's okay. right. It's only and, 30 stocks out of 10,000. And it's it's designed to be, because it's not focused on as big, hey, just by size, mm-hmm. by industry, it's a little more diversified, I would say, as far as like how the returns come out. And, okay. and the net result is you have, because there's more dividend paying, a larger representation of defensive sectors in the Dow, mm-hmm. 
year like this, it, it sort of played out a little better, right? And and that that leads to the point just on dividend payers in general. Going back to something I said earlier, the reason the stocks in the Dow change more frequently is because the Dow is supposed to be representative of the U.S. economy as a whole mm-hmm. at, at any given time. So, you know, the Dow, which is comprised of 30 stocks, do not have one of the original stocks. Yeah that was put in it when it was started about 100 years ago. The one that stayed the longest was Exxon, but it's no longer in the in the Dow. Didn't they get booted last year or the year before? Uh, I think it was the year before. I think Salesforce took them out. The thing that everybody forgets is both the Dow, the S&P 500, and I guess also the NASDAQ were invented a long time ago, and they all were invented to give a broad indication of the general direction of the U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think back 100 years ago when the Dow started, for the most part, obviously, we didn't have computers, we didn't have the internet. A lot of places in the country didn't have electricity. So when they printed the Dow, let's say on a Monday, they might have put it on a newspaper, a newspaper telegraph, whatever, and shipped it out. Might have took three, three days to get to New Orleans. <laughs> okay, so essentially what I'm saying is these indexes were supposed to be broad indications mm-hmm. indices are supposed to be broad indications of the general direction of the US economy that was why they were formed and that's what they're recording the fact that we have electricity everywhere we have computers we have the internet we have it 24/7 broadcast to us yeah we it, never get it, away from it, it it no longer it's still trying to record the same thing the general direction of the US economy it's essentially the blood pressure of the U.S. economy. And just like your blood pressure, every time you go to the doctor, they take it. It's a broad indication of your general health. Right. But you could have great blood pressure and have cancer. Your foot might fall off. Blood pressure's fine. Right. Your blood pressure could be fine. <laughs> you know I mean, right. Well, you'd probably be in pain notice. if you're walking. It might notice. Yeah, anyway, yeah. We, we, we're not qualified to talk about medical <laughs> topics. are not medical. Yeah, right. But but anyway, what I'm saying is they're supposed to be broad indications of the general direction of the economy. So essentially what you could, the only meaningful data you can gather from all of the statistics from last year is the general broad direction of the U.S. economy was downward for the year. Mm-hmm. Do you want to clarify, Salesforce did replace Exxon in the Dow Jones. Oh, so I was right. Yeah, and two other companies got removed, Pfizer and some technology company. But yes, Salesforce kicked old Exxon out. So as we can tell, everybody sort of felt this. We gave you some some color and some detail on 2022. Were there any positive things or at least forward-looking some things to hang your hat on to at least, well, maybe things get a little better? What do you think? A lot of people are required to take minimum distributions from their IRAs. Mm -hmm. Those calculations on what you're required to take out are based on two components, your age at the end of the calendar year and the dollar value of your account. Since most people's accounts have dropped, generally speaking, your required minimum distribution for 2023 would probably be lower than 2022. Almost certainly. Another thing is in our portfolios in particular, we have primarily moved toward dividend paying stocks. Now, the advantage of dividend paying stocks is 
very rarely do companies reduce their dividends because that kind of sends a red flag to the marketplace. So whether or not they are making as much profit, they still generally pay dividends. Uh If you are in dividend-paying stocks and the stock market is going down or has gone down, those dividends are reinvested. When the stock is lower price, therefore, you end up with a larger quantity of stock. When the price goes back up to the original dollar amount prior to the fall, you'll have more money because you'll have more shares of stock multiplied by the same price per share. So in our particular allocation, that's one of the things we've done to protect people and help people for the future. Something else your asset manager could have done for you this past year that we spent a great deal of effort trying to do towards the end, we had a podcast about it, was in a, in a bad year, even if your allocation's getting fine-tuned and we're, and we're getting at least an efficient return, if not something you'd go home and celebrate, probably an opportunity to take losses. Take a loss because if you sell it and there's a loss, the way the tax code works, this could be of great benefit to you in a year. It's a loss on the amount you put in, but it can help you as the numbers come out and and you have to pay Uncle Sam. These are in non-qualified, non-IRA accounts. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because an IRA account, it's all sheltered and and nothing matters until you take the money out. So, But right, if it's an individual joint account, something that's not a retirement account where you pay taxes on if it went up or down, this was a a fine year to sort of re-examine where you were towards the end and and trim losses this is something that you would either do individually or with your advisor for a lot of accounts that we manage on our own Uh, we sort of took it upon ourselves to do this on the back half of last year and and this would be this will be good news for the people again whether they realize it or not when they come to (laughs) tax time the only time a loss is good is when when it's this when it the loss reduces what you have to pay so so that was some good news. As Nolan said, dividend paying stocks and allocation, that was a big help. And then even like kind of forward looking, you know, we went through this inflationary time and, and I'm not saying things that Jesse Duhon is not saying he's for sure that things are settled with interest rates and this is the end of madness. I don't know that. No one knows. That's part of the uncertainty of the ongoing market. There, There's uncertainty about what will happen with interest rates. Will they continue to raise it? Will the economy sort of prove itself out and be stable and then they drop them again? And, you know, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of different guesses out there. But judging on history and, as we said earlier, the amount of hikes that happened in 2022, you know, you don't even have to make a judgment call on it. Rates are higher right now. What that does is because there's this sort of free rate of return on risk-free investments with treasury bills and treasury bonds with any type of fixed income product, you can get a nice return on on your fixed income now. And if rates don't go up, then that's going to seem like a smart thing, right? Because you're, you're kind of getting a nice interest rate payment. And if the rates go up, then the underlying thing you have won't lose value. And then there you go. So that that's kind of a good news. And what that does to the dividend paying stocks, as Nolan was saying, it creates sort of a competition for those companies. Because what Nolan says is very true. If you're a dividend paying company, and you count on your investors, you want to take care of your investors, you need to stay competitive. You need to you need to keep them. And the way you do that is to not only continue paying the dividend, but continue doing it in a way that attracts investors. So if interest rates are high elsewhere, it sort of rises the tide for everybody that plays in that field. And, and these big dividend paying companies are definitely in that field. So, so there is some just like interest to be earned, both in 
stock world and the fixed income world now that the rates have increased. So that's, we'll take it as good news. I'll take it as good news. Sounds, yeah. sounds and, good to me. And right? I think most people would agree we're closer to the top than the bottom of interest rates. Surely feels that way. I didn't want to make okay. a big guess, but I, that's right. What I mean, I think, right? even if they raise it another point or two, we're still closer to the top than we were a year ago. <laughs> exactly. They, yeah. they raised them so much. So things, year, right? things go up and down. They have determined for over the last 40 plus years that the way to control inflation is to raise interest rates and the way to stimulate the economy is to lower them. Mm-hmm. Since the economy is starting to struggle, there's starting to be layoffs. At some point, there's going to be a push to stimulate the economy. It go. might be a year from now, might be two years from now, but it is cyclical, right? And, yeah. and you can count on that cycle repeating itself, and and we believe in that. So, other good news. I mean, it's hard to say good news as as like the world gets a little more nationalistic, and there's a war going on, and there's a few lines being drawn. Well, part of it is we've been trying to have this push to get manufacturing back, at least on this side of the globe, if not at home. And in the recent data, which was late in the year in December, but there was a surprise, it was a small surprise. It wasn't like, Hey, victory parade. We're back. We're making everything back home again, but it started heading in the right direction again. So manufacturing has actually increased higher than the, the fed monitoring agencies anticipated them to. So a little bit of good news, you know, for the home team. So, Higher interest rates, manufacturing coming back. These are the little shining lights that you can hang your hat on going into 2023 to feel sort of good about, I would say. Another depends how you look at it, whether it's six one way or half a dozen another. A number of years back when they set limits for retirement plan contributions, they tied them to inflation. A lot of things were tied to inflation which was very small. So when they would increase it, it might be $500 or whatever. The bad news is we had high inflation. The good news is that raises the limits that you can put into retirement plans. So if you're still in the workforce, once it goes up, they don't reduce it. Uh-huh. So, you know, you have a long-term benefit of being able to defer more of your income to retirement tax deferred over your career. That's right. So a lot of the retired government laws, the required minimum distributions, Hey, you're going to get another year to wait and defer your money. All of the contribution limits, hey, they're going to raise that. If you're on Social Security, you got the biggest raise you've seen in in a, history. In history, yeah. I mean, it's 8%, over 8% raise. So, you know, listen, the sky hasn't completely fallen. You make it through a tough year. And history tells us there may be two bad years in a row sometimes. But generally speaking, markets recover. And they recover as soon as they can, naturally, right? There's sentiment that most of the bad feeling is, like Nolan said, a lot of the interest rate pressure seem we, it's probably the worst is behind us. I doesn't mean it's completely over, but it, you know those jitters should should exit. Inflation is creeping back downward, so it, it is having an effect. And there we go. So in 2023, we're smarter than we were because we learned from the past. It reinforces some of the things that the textbooks tells us and and the things like sort of, hey, take your vitamins, diversify your investments. You know, well, I'd say take your drink, vitamins kind of like, water. like, oh, why do I got to do it? Yeah, drink water. Are we water. throwing that in there? Well, I'm saying like, it's common advice that that's like, oh, I got to do that. Taking but, your vitamins every day would be like dollar cost averaging. Okay, that would be like dollar cost averaging. 
paying attention to your correlations is more like checking your like cholesterol. I, I, I'm going way off here, but anyway, <laughs> checking your oil. I don't know. Yeah, and, sure. And just, and just to clarify, correlations mean do things track similarly or oh, are so. they related or are they unrelated? Yeah, like a deeper understanding of diversification to where your eggs are, are less all in one basket, even on an asset class basis. So we pay attention to that type of thing. It's, it's part of like what we try to do for, for our clients. It's part of what you should be trying to do as an investor. And this year just, just sort of proves that, right? You, you have to stay diversified and understand your timelines. I would say those two lessons almost more than anything have been hammered down on us in 2022. Mm -hmm. 2023 comes, you made your resolutions, we made ours. Optimistic for a good year. To make it a good year, you got to do your part. So take a look at your finances, all of these things. If you listen to this much of the podcast, you might learn a few things. If you haven't rebalanced in a long time, rebalancing doesn't, it, that's not the same as, oh, making a overreactionary decision and selling. Rebalancing is something you should do to make sure that the original prescription is still the, the same drug that you're taking. Sort of check in with, with where you are. You should do it at a minimum once a year. Take a look at things. Call your advisor. Call us if you need help. Good luck for 2023, huh? Eat healthy and exercise. Eat healthy and exercise, right. Yeah, eat all them king cakes. And take your vitamins and check your cholesterol. Drink that earlier. water. Yeah, drink that water. <laughs> all right, well, we're going to sign off. Enjoy your field peas. We'll see you next time. <laughs> the field peas. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, or if you would like to connect with us, visit Shexwealth.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Our offices are located at 330 Belterre Boulevard, Suite 201, Laplace, Louisiana, 70068, and 8221 Summa Avenue, Suite E, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70809. Securities offered through Satara Financial Specialist, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Satara Investment Advisors, LLC. Satara entities are under separate ownership from any other named entity. The views stated in this piece are not necessarily the opinion of Satara Financial Specialist, LLC, and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities. Due to volatility within the markets, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of the performance of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. Satara does not offer direct investments in commodities, such as gold or oil. Dollar cost averaging will not guarantee a profit or protect you from loss, but may reduce your average cost per share in a fluctuating market. Rebalancing may be a taxable event. Before you take any specific action, be sure to consult with your tax professional. A diversified portfolio does not assure a profit or protect against loss in a declining market. Mm -hmm.